0: introduce our guest speaker and make sure that we give her plenty of time to work through everything that she has today because (laughs) no it's been an amazing message and uh i can't tell you every single service i've walked out and people have just been impacted by the truth and the clarity in this word today Uh, elise murphy has been our guest with us all weekend long at our uh, tri-women's conference um been hearing nothing but great things and uh, she's a church girl and loves building the local church. That's why we have friends and guests like this is people who love what God loves and that is his church and uh, wherever it's being built. And so uh, she's had the privilege and the honor to help build churches all across uh, the nation and all across the world as well. And uh, we are so honored and privileged to have her her, her with us today here at the well. And so would you do me a massive favor? Would you just welcome Elise to the stage as she comes to bring God's word to us today? Come on. Come on, can we shout her down? Let's go. Hi. How you doing? Are you good? I didn't say you could sit down. Why are you sitting down? Stand back up. If I'm standing, you're standing. You're like, oh my gosh, I, I just want to sit. Do I have to stand the whole time? No, 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 calm down. You guys, I am so honored to be here, and it has been such a privilege to be here this weekend. Where are my ladies that were at Tribe Conference? Where are my fellas that were sneaking in at Tribe Conference? There's just a few of them, and they're like a little terrified still, so they went quiet. That's actually why. You guys, it is honestly my honor and my privilege to be here. Can we, before you take your seats, also give honor where honor is due, and just honor your pastors, Pastor Jason and Erica, who are absolutely, no, for real, absolutely incredible. I love you guys. New friends, but new friends. For a long time, I can tell. You guys now can take your seats. You're welcome. Also, massive shout-out. This worship team is incredible. You guys are cool. They they kind of like you, but I really love you guys, you know. I walked in the third service and I was like, they still have their energy there. Good lord. I'm like, how are you guys still doing that? Oh my goodness. But We've had the most incredible time at Tribe Conference this weekend. And look, I don't know what you're getting ready for in this service. Maybe you're here and you are just here to check off a box on a to-do list of religious duty. I get it. I've been there. But I have some bad news for you today because I'm an Australian preacher who has so many words you don't even know what to do with yourself. And by the end of today, I will not have done my job because if you have the faith for it, I believe that you can have an encounter with God that will change everything. Is there anybody in this service today that would like to actually not just do church, like, oh gosh, are we done doing church for church's sake? I wanna to come to church and be encouraged. I wanna to come to church and be challenged. I wanna to come to church and actually meet with God, not just hear about Him. So today, I believe that if we can mix your, my words, because I've got them, you guys, I mean, you can talk, I guess, if you want. I just have the microphone, it'll be louder. But mixing your faith with my words, I believe that we can hear from God. I have been in church my entire life. Look, I don't know, at the 12 o'clock, usually they're in the nine o'clock because they're like the super Christians, you know what I mean? The ones that get up early because they went to bed early on a Saturday night and you're like, must be nice. Ooh, are we good? That wasn't my fault, I promise, okay? at least stop blaming people, stop it. Who are my church people? Who's anyone grown up in church that is here today? Oh my gosh, you guys, you, there are people here that grew up in church. What happened to you? You're at the 12 o'clock, what? You guys like the rebellious church kids? Like what the heck happened there? My goodness, I'm a church kid. I'm a pastor's kid from Australia. And growing up, I only saw two church, like church kids do two things with their life. They either stayed in church and became pastors and preachers. News flash, spoiler alert, that's kind of what ended up happening to me because the other thing I saw was they'd become like professional athletes, which for the record is what I wanted to be. I had big dreams of being at the Olympics, you guys, but I have a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of competition in my spirit, but people call it cute because I don't have any skill to back it up, you know? So I become the cute competitive girl that has absolutely zero hand-eye coordination, can't do anything. They just throw like softballs and all the things and they land in my face. And I'm like, oh, that was meant to be my hands, got it. Next time I'll get it, never got it. But I remember being in elementary school in the fourth grade when Mrs. Wedmore came in our class and she said, class, I got good news. The athletics carnival is coming up and we are introducing a new sport to the athletics carnival this year. I was like, let's go. I was like, I'm always up for a challenge. Let's do this. This could be my sport. This could be my time. And she said, we are bringing in the sport of power walking or race walking. And I was like, oh my goodness. I stood up. I was like, hallelujah, God is good. My prayer request worked on Sunday. I've been praying and believing and the Lord, hears the righteous. I asked him and he delivered it. I walk all the time. I'm like, I've been doing this for a good few years now, only a few, because again, I was in the fourth grade, you get it, like I wasn't a bunch, but I was like, I walked to the fridge, I walked to the bus stop, I chased my dog around, he hates me, but I do know how to walk. This is my Esther moment for such a time as this. <laughs> You're laughing, it wasn't too far from the truth. And so Mrs. Wedmore was like, At least sit down. We're gonna go outside now and do a practice race before the carnival, just to get you guys in shape. First of all, I'm like, Mrs. Wedmore, do you know that we do walk? Like, she was outside trying to teach us how to walk. She's like, heel, toe, everyone do it with me. And we're like, no, we got here because we did the very thing that you're now trying to teach us how to do. Let's just like do this race. Let's do this. So she goes, ready, set, go. I start walking because it's my God-given talent. And I'm walking and I am beating everybody else. I am looking at the other girls as I pass them. And I'm like, it's not your day. God has a better journey for you, but it's not this one. This is my time, okay? I am being called up. And this is my time. I'm racing by the end of the race, I come second, which for a kid like me from Australia was absolutely incredible. I'll take a silver medal any day. Honestly, the only person that beat me in this practice race was a girl whose name, no word of a lie, was Rebecca Walker. It's not fair. What am I going to do with that? My last name's Murphy. All that means is like Irish pubs. Like I have no athletic ability in my surname and her last name's Walker. Are you kidding me? What am I meant to do with that? And I felt the Lord say to me, Elise, no, stop. (laughs) I was like, you know what? I'm going to train for this. I clearly have natural talent, but I'm going to train. So for the next two weeks leading up to the carnival, you better believe, Elise Murphy was going on long walks every single day. In my backyard because I'm a child and that would be abusive if my parents let me actually go on long walks in the fourth grade but I had my Discman you guys who knows about the Discman you remember the Discman? S Club 7, Spice Girls, I was like a real hard-hitter of an athlete, you know? Some eye of the tiger just for good measure. And I am practicing, and the day of the carnival came, I had the schedule printed out in my back pocket. I had memorized it, and this was my time. I was going to beat Rebecca Walker in the race walking. I was going to go to the Olympics, and everybody would know who I was. And then in that moment, I'd be like, Jesus loves you. Okay, thank you so much, back to me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Dream big. So I am in line at the snack bar because I had timed it perfectly. I knew that if I stood in line 10 minutes before I could get these red frogs, which you guys don't know about red frogs, but like think Swedish fish and then like Jesus came along and like anointed it with like sprinkle dust. That's red frogs, okay, in Australia. You need to try it if you ever go to Australia. Don't worry about Vegemite, that stuff sucks. Get the red frogs, okay? So I'm in line. Did you guys know at elementary school athletics carnivals, if they're running ahead of schedule, they don't tell anyone. They just keep going with the day and they end it early. Apparently, the teachers are pumped by it and the students get left behind because I am in line paying for my red frogs, receiving them in, a ha- in my hands, and I hear behind me the starting gun go off and the announcer say, and there goes the grade four girls doing their race walking around the track. <gasps> I turn around, drop my red frog anointed candy, look at the race, and I start yelling in my own fourth grade voice, which was only slightly higher than this one. And I was like, oh my goodness, they're running my race. Oh my goodness, Rebecca Walker is winning my race. Rebecca Walker has run my race. Rebecca Walker has won my race. I was devastated. I went to the other teachers and the judges, sorry, to um, like appeal to them. I was like, judges, I didn't know, I have it in my back pocket. And then Mrs. McGovern was like, Elise, I don't know what to tell you, I teach the sixth grade English, I'm just trying to go home. Like, better luck next time. I was like, next time I'm never gonna be in the fourth grade as a race walker ever again. What is happening? So to this day, you guys, sometimes if something bad happens in my life, I'm like, not today, Satan. But then other times, under my breath, I'm like, Rebecca Walker, I swear, if that is you, I'm gonna come and get you. <laughs> Still to this day. Why am I telling you this story? Well, first of all, because my therapist Wendy is like, Elise, you've got to stop telling me this story about Rebecca Walker. It's time to heal and move on. It's unhealthy. To which I'm like, Well, Wendy, it wouldn't be unhealthy if she hadn't beaten me in my race walking and the school had it, and then it starts to cycle again. But that's not the real point. I'm telling you this today. Why am I telling you the story? It's because so many of us, when it comes to relationships, are busy blaming someone from the past that we can't walk into the future. we would rather blame someone and hold on to that and get everybody else on our side than actually let let. go of something that happened to move into the future. It's a better reason than the first one, isn't it? I was so excited when I got the text from Pastor Erica to speak at this relationship series. I knew I was already speaking at Tribe and, again, growing up in church. I lived for relationship series, you guys. This is where I got all of my information. I wasn't allowed to learn it anywhere else. This was my Ricky Lake and married at first sight, was at church during a a relationship series. So I was pumped. I was like, yeah, relationship, I'll just come and listen. And so as I began to think about what I was gonna say today, it kind of hit me. I actually have a bit of a complicated history when it comes to sermons in relationship series, you see. I've been in ministry almost my whole life, it feels like. So I have the message about singleness, being the single youth pastor in Sydney, Australia. And then I had the sermon when I was dating a guy in Los Angeles and probably nauseating all the married people around me. And I was like, you just have to love them all the time because they're the best. That's my marriage sermon today. And they're like, okay, live a little. And then I have the sermon when I was married. I was keeping up appearances in the day and they were keeping me up at night, I have that marriage sermon. And then by the grace of God, I'm able to preach from a healed and whole place, but sitting from the seat of a perspective of a woman who knows the experience of divorce and knows the experience of divorce publicly in ministry. So as I started to assess what I was gonna talk about today, suddenly I didn't think I had anything to say because in 2022, Coming today to bring you a sermon on three points on how to be single and loving it just doesn't feel like it's gonna cut it anymore. I don't know that I can get up here and give you some practical pointers on how to be in a relationship, on what to look for, because the reality is we have done that for so long in the church, I have done that. But actually, if we keep just teaching the external things, we're not actually going to attract the very thing we want to. So rather than looking at what is good in a relationship in Christian terms and someone's perspective, maybe we should start looking at what does it take to make a healthy human that attracts healthy relationships. So I did something that people don't usually do. Because I heard someone say once, write from what you know. Yeah. And um, so I say, preach from what you know, and you can quote me, you just have to reference me, okay? <laughs> so today I wrote a brand new sermon for this relationship series and I've been preaching it all day and going long and I promised myself I wouldn't go long today, but as long as you guys talk back to me, I'm not gonna go long. So is that a pretty fair deal, I feel like? <laughs> oh, as you've been, fantastic, we love that. But today, I really feel like I wanna bring us to a place where we look at two guys in a story that helped me come to a place of wholeness in my own life. So if you have your Bible, would you turn to Genesis 33? Pastor Erica basically prequelled this story that I'm gonna to tell today at Tribe Conference because she spoke about Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, if you're not familiar, are two boys in the Bible. Their brothers, are actually twins in the Old Testament. And they came out, Esau is technically older. You know how like in twins, someone has to be older. You can't just like, you get it. So that's a visual you guys probably didn't need at 12 o'clock on a Sunday. So sorry. Uh, Esau is older, but Jacob came out, it says, grabbing the heel of Esau. So from the very beginning, we knew there would be strife. And you know, we haven't actually heard, as the reader of the Bible, we haven't heard from Esau in decades. We don't know what happened to him, where he went, what happened. But Jacob knew one day after they had a bunch of conflict, he had to reconcile with Esau. So he is walking to meet him and where we are about to pick up is he's about to see Esau coming at him and he's terrified and rightly so. Anybody that hears like, like an enemy or whatever that's scared to reconcile with you and you're like, yeah, so there should be. Yeah. Not in here, obviously. Maybe. Yeah, just the pastor is gonna be honest today, sick. That's cool. You're like, we don't have enemies. We just have friends. We love everyone. Okay, cool. I'm Australian. And uh, we have people that I'm like, hey, don't come close to me because I don't want to hurt you. And they're like, that's cute. You have no skill behind it. And I'm like, yeah, but I know people, you know? So anyway. (laughs) Oh, gosh. We get to this place. So we're going to pick it up. And he's walking towards Esau, his brother. And it says in verse 4, then Esau ran to meet him, embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they both wept. And as they're catching up, Esau says in verse 8, he says, Hey man, what with all the flocks and the herds I met as I came here? Jacob replied, there are gifts, my Lord, to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It's like seeing the face of God, please take this gift that I have brought you. For God has been very gracious to me, I have more Then enough, and Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. What we just read feels like a Hallmark movie. Am I right? Feels like after this, they went to a log cabin and like made some hot cocoa. And then they met someone that was a business person that had to come out to Utah because for their dad's business. And then you you know the rest of every single Hallmark movie. It feels like this is just another scene in a Hallmark movie. But have you ever met someone and had this moment where they look at you and your family or your kids or whatever, and they're like, wow, I wish I could have a family like yours. I wish I could have kids like yours. I wish I could live the life that you live And All you want to do is say, if you only knew what I had been through to get to this point, the battles that I have fought, don't sit here and tell me you want what I have, but you're not willing to fight the battle that I fought to actually get here, because you're in church... We smile and we're like, thank you so much. God is so good. (laughs) But what we want to say is, you don't know what it took for me to get here, right? You know, when I'm standing on stage, I mostly feel like that. Like people can see me and see how much I read the Bible, and I do. I love the Bible. I love God. I have a very real relationship with Him, and I am obsessed with the Bible. That is true. But when people look at me and say, oh, if only I could do that. I wanna smile back and say, if only you knew that I should not be standing on this stage speaking in a relationship series about letting go of the past blame and the past hurt in order to walk into the new thing. If only you knew. And so when we look at this scene of Jacob and Esau, the same is true. If only you knew what these boys had been through, we wouldn't be looking at it like a hallmark reunion. We'd see it as the miracle of God that it actually is. So sometimes, every now and then in church, I think it's good to lift the veil up a little bit, to be a little bit honest, to get behind the smile, to really see what they actually had to get through to get to that point. And like I said at the very beginning, there was this sibling rivalry, even from their mother's womb, in Rebecca's womb, they were fighting in between her. And so this was her promise, this was Rebecca's promise to get pregnant, because she couldn't. And it's that whole thing, I don't have time to go into it because otherwise it'll be a repeat of the last two services and then I'll be overtime again and I'll be like, man, I said I wasn't going to do that again. But basically, just so you know, she was pregnant, they were wrestling in her womb and she had the promise from God but she wondered why there was pain. So she's looking up to God saying, God, if you're the one that gave me this, why does this hurt so much? And maybe that's the word that you need to take home today that just because there's pain doesn't mean it's not the promise. Just because there's wrestling happening doesn't mean you didn't win the fight. Just because it's difficult doesn't mean it's not from God so she asks God and he's like it's a prophecy of what's gonna happen these siblings are gonna be at war for a while she was like sick good to know (laughs) it's my fashion." So she gives birth to the twins, Esau's first, and Jacob comes out grabbing his heel. These guys are at each other's throat throat from the very beginning, but Esau is the older brother. So he had the birthright. He had the name, he had the legacy. He's the one we should know more about, but in the Bible, Jacob's the one with the good resume. Jacob's the one that wrestled with God. Jacob is the one that is Joseph's daddy. Jacob is the Jacob of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. We don't know a lot about Esau and yet Esau has the birthright. It should read Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. I know that sounds weird because I mean the whole lives we've been hearing Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So why isn't it Esau? Well, because Esau had the birthright, but he traded it because he was hungry one day. And he came to Jacob and he's like, hey man, I am so hungry. This birthright isn't doing anything to feed me, but you seem to be making some kind of stew. And he passed Erica's translation in her Bible. He called it the red stuff, which is ridiculous because I'm like, bro, you don't even know what that is. And you're about to trade your birthright for some red stuff. But some of been trading our birthrights and our legacy and the thing that God called us to for some red stuff that feels really good right now and God is a God of delayed gratification not instant validation so we have to be careful that we don't trade the thing we want forever for the thing that I want right now so he trades it in the worst craigslist at ever And now Jacob has the birthright, but Esau still has the blessing. So the blessing was when the dad was about to die, he would bring his oldest son in and give him what he had. He would give him the blessing. So this is where we find ourselves today. All of that was the pre-context of what I'm about to say. It's fine, it'll be entertaining, I promise. So we get to this point and Isaac calls Esau into his bedroom and he says, hey man, I'm old. His son was like, Yeah, we gathered that. You're blind now, like you're really old. We've seen that, we look after you. And he's like, But here's the thing: I'm ready to give you my blessing. So I want you to go out into the field, hunt, get my favorite meal, prepare it, bring it in. I'm gonna eat it with you, and then I'm gonna give you my blessing. Esau's like, bet, this is what I'm waiting for. So he goes and runs out. Here's the thing: Esau was Isaac's favorite boy. He was his oldest son, like that's a thing, right? Rebecca, the wife. Esau wasn't her favorite because, um, I don't know how to put this in biblical terms, Jacob was a mama's boy. I think that's in the Greek. I don't know what the translation is, but he's a mama's boy. And so she overhears what Isaac says to Esau. She grabs Jacob and she's like, hey, your dad just told Esau to get ready for the blessing, but..." He's not getting the blessing, you are, you're my favorite. And he just told Esau to make his favorite meal. And I make his favorite meal because I'm his wife. And he doesn't realize, and she goes on this whole rant, and she said, go out to the field, grab two goats and bring it in. And at this point, there's so many holes in her plan to steal the blessing for her son. But Jacob only has one question, and it's so confusing to me that I thought I would bring it up to you. Because his whole thing isn't about how are going to do this, how is he not going to hear me and know that I'm actually not Esau, like what the heck is happening? He says in verse 11, Jacob says this, but look, my brother Esau, I mean, y'all can read it, is a hairy man, bro, that is your biggest problem with this plan is that you have like smooth arms, we get it. You did laser hair removal, you're a millennial, you're a mama's boy, but honestly, dude, that doesn't seem like your biggest issue at the moment. And that's his problem. He's like, dad's gonna know, have you seen these arms? And she's like, honestly, you need to stop. I got a plan, do what I said. So he goes out in the field, he gets the two goats, he comes back, she cooks the meal and she puts the goat hair on him. It's kind of clever, I guess, although gross. And he goes in to his father. At that moment, Isaac says, uh, Jacob says, It's me, Esau, your firstborn. And Isaac said, Is that Esau or Jacob? Which, as a sidebar, when God gives you discernment in a relationship, listen. Uh, so often we're seeing uh, red flags in dating as not warnings, but the color scheme to our wedding, and we like start to match up all the other colors to the red flags. Oh, so you know what I'm talking about. I knew you guys would be my favorites. Yeah, okay. Listen to the discernment, because Isaac had clearly sent Esau, so why is he now questioning who was coming home? But Jacob says, it's me, dad. It's your firstborn, Esau. So he eats with him, gives him the meal, and Isaac, and we pick it up here in verse 18, says to Jacob, come a little closer, kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he finally was convinced and he gave his son the blessing. He said, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. Isaac gave Jacob the blessing, not Esau. Maybe that doesn't make sense to you because we live in 2022 where someone can say words and take them back in any given moment. You can delete a comment after you canceled someone and no one asks any questions. We cancel someone before we even know their story or before we've definitely prayed for them but we believe a faith of a God who created the entire world with His words. And if the same God that raised Christ from the dead is living in us, which the Bible does say, and it says that we frame our world with our words, I just have a question on why we're so flippant with our words, even as Christians. We can say no offense on JK and think that actually the spiritual part of what we just said didn't just leave our mouth and our spirit. Sometimes in this moment, we can actually take a leaf out of Isaac's book where he understood, I gave my blessing. And in the day, there were no take backs. This wasn't a situation where Esau could come in and be like, dad, that's Jacob, not me. And he has goat hair on him and that's super gross. And his dad can be like, Jacob, that's super gross, dude. I'm gonna curse you instead of bless you and take that blessing and put it on Esau. Once it was out of his mouth, the blessing wasn't gonna come back in return. And so here we are in this moment, verse 30. And this verse is crazy to me because living in Hollywood, Um, Actually, it's not even Hollywood, it's the way I was raised and super dramatic. I know you guys didn't pick that up and that's so kind. Um, But I see the Bible in movies. I think if we can take Bible heroes and make them humans and relatable to us, maybe we can actually glean something from it instead of it just being religious stories from the ages. And so I love making movies in my head as I'm reading the Bible. So to me, the moment I'm about to read, Jacob's just been given the blessing. As he leaves the house, you can feel the tension rising, the music getting louder, and you're wondering where Esau is and when he's gonna come home. Is he gonna catch him before he actually gets to leave, gets away with this blessing? And here we are in verse 30. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob and almost before, can you hear the music, Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from the hunt. Another version says, as Jacob had scarcely left the house, Esau returned with the blessing. Did you catch how close that is? Have you ever been in a moment where you were doing what God asked you to do, only to come back and see someone got your blessing that you were meant to get? When the father asked you to do something, And so you were out in the farm being obedient, doing what God asked you to do, only to come home. And the person who hasn't done anything, hasn't lived for God for one day, is getting the blessing that you've been waiting for for 10 years. The person at work got the promotion that you have actually been working for and waiting for and you thought that wasn't up for grabs until next month, but you come into work on Monday and suddenly they're sitting in the corner office and you're like, you've been here for five minutes and you don't even know what this is. You never even went to college. I paid the price. You do that project and you don't get any credit. The person you were dating breaks up with you only to land another person the next week and you're still here being like, I thought we were gonna get married. My heart's in pieces and you seem to be already walking down the aisle with somebody else. You got my blessing and I was the obedient one. I did what God asked me to do. Have you ever had that moment? We've all had that moment. And that is where Esau found himself. So Esau, not knowing what had happened yet, comes in the room. And Isaac asks in verse 32, who are you? Isaac replies, it's Esau, your firstborn. Isaac immediately begins to tremble and says, then who just served me the food? I've already eaten it and i blessed him just before you came. And yes, as if the father, knowing what his son was going to ask already, yes, that blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a bitter cry and said, Father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. Dad, what do you mean you gave away my blessing? I was outdoors said how could you not see that was Jacob I was doing the thing you asked me to do only to come home and you gave it to Jacob and of all people Jacob he already took my birthright he already got that and now you're going to give him the blessing it's not just one thing first time shame on them second time shame on me but I was doing the right thing God don't you have something for me how am I here again the addiction you thought you broke? How am I here again? The person you swore you'd never get back with, only to get back with them, only to break up with them again? How how did we get here again where I was shouting at my spouse, where I was doing that with my kids, where I was back at that activity, back at that thinking pattern, back with that offense, trusting that person, letting my boundaries down? How did we get here again? Esau, what about me? Verse 38, Esau pleaded, Dad, do you not have one blessing? Bless me too. It says he broke down and began weeping. Have I had that moment with God? Are you telling me? He gave my blessing away. I'm the one that's been praying for the husband. You don't have someone for me. I'm the one that's been praying to get pregnant and they get pregnant. They won't even try. I'm the one that was asking for that prayer to be answered. I'm the one that puts the prayer request in every single Sunday and they get the answered prayer that I've been working for, that I've been believing for. God, don't you have one thing left for me? That's what Esau is saying. And suddenly we relate to Esau because we've all had that moment where we feel like someone got a blessing. And we ask God, do I still have a blessing? My question is this, when you've been in that moment where someone has taken your blessing, our response I believe is directly related how we actually feel about God so they stole the thing that God promised you well does God lie did he promise it to you And in that very moment, we decide if we actually trust that when God opens a door, no man can shut it. So my question to you today is why are you so sad that that person took that thing that you thought was gonna be yours forever when God promised it to you? Because if he's not a man that he should lie, if he said it, he'll do it. He's outside of time. He's not shocked by the events in your life, even if you are. And I'm promising you this today. I came to tell you that if God promised this to you, no man can take your blessing. If they took it, it wasn't yours. And he has something better on the other side. Do we believe it? And it's so fun to preach that. Mm, But we don't always believe it. I don't always believe it. And so he's begging his dad and Isaac, finally, after seeing his son cry, I mean, I get uncomfortable seeing grown men cry. I don't know what to do with myself and only imagine when it's your actual family. And finally, Isaac says, okay, spoiler alert. I don't know if you've ever been given like a backhanded compliment, anyone? <laughs> and you're like, whoa, thanks for trying, but um, I do not receive that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever asked God for something? It kind of feels like he gave you a backhanded answer, that you were like, hey man, I was asking uh, for a spouse and you gave me this person here that needs me to drive them to youth group every week. Just so you know, This isn't makes, I don't understand. God, why are you giving me this when I asked for that? Backhanded blessing. Isaac is about to do a Kanye. And say, I'm going to let you finish. But I'm going to give you the best backhanded blessing of all time. You ready for it? Verse 39, he says to him, all right, son, you will live far away from the riches of the earth and away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother." Wait, what? Dad, hey man, stop talking. Your words are powerful. We get it. No take backs. Can you stop saying words? Because when you say words, that's becoming my world. And this sounds like a curse, and I was the one that was working for the blessing. What are you talking about? This isn't a blessing god this is not a blessing in my life why am i here why am i in college why am i in this family why am i in this rehab why am i in this program why have you put me here in my life why 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 when i ask for the blessing this doesn't feel like a blessing but just because you didn't see it coming doesn't mean it's not the blessing because we keep reading you will live by your sword and you will serve your brother Listen, verse 40, but when you decide to break free from your brother, you will shake his yoke from your neck. Church, I don't know who I came to tell today, but you have been given a backhanded blessing. Someone stole your promise. Someone stole your heart. Someone did something in your life that you cannot get over, and you're asking God why it happened, and he doesn't seem to be taking away the anger and the pain. I came to tell you. self-credit for when you decide, when you decide to break free from the anger, when you decide to break free from the offense, when you decide to break free from the comparisons, when you decide to break free from the expectations other people put on you, you actually were never meant to carry. When you decide, you will be free. And with that, Esau's really mad because the brother who doubly betrayed him has run away. And uh, he's been hurt twice. And now his dad is telling him, now he's also responsible for healing. But you know what I found? That my hurt that I've been through was not my fault, but the healing is my responsibility. And I don't know what you've been through. I don't know all of your stories in here. I bet we could go toe to toe and a bunch of you would beat me for better stories than mine when it comes to rough things that have happened in life. I don't know what you've been through. All I know is what the Bible says. And it says, when you break free, which tells me what happened wasn't your fault. I know you feel like you made some bad decisions. I know what they did was not okay. And God sees that and you can leave that with Him, but it's time to heal. Letting go feels like freedom. Even though the enemy wants you to think that holding on is keeping control. It's just keeping you chained. Yeah. We often wear a straitjacket of shame because we refuse to let go of what happened. Today, decide. But just because Esau gets good advice doesn't mean he takes it. Because story of my life. And so Esau is there and he's like, are you kidding me? I'm going to kill that guy. And Isaac's like, hey, that feels like the opposite of what I just said, bro. And he's like, hey, dad, stay there. You're old, you can't move, I'll be back in a minute. He runs out and he's like, Jacob, where are you? I'm gonna kill you, man. Meanwhile, Rebecca already knows this. By the way, moms, don't get involved like that. Like, don't be that mom, you know? She's already seen Jacob. She's like, hey, sweetie, so proud of you. You did the best Esau impression ever. You got the blessing, yay, us. Also nice arms. Hey, here's the thing, Esau wants to kill you. No, I mean kill you, like, ah. So so you need to run, just for a little while, come get you when everything's fine, so proud of you. So he leaves. You know what's annoying to me? We have to follow Jacob's journey. The guy who was a jerk, the guy that took the blessing, I don't get to see how Esau rebuilt his life after somebody tore it down, I have to follow the guy his life and watch him rebuild his life and be happy with him and be like, praise God, he got to rebuild his life after he ruined everybody else's. It's not fair that we have to follow Jacob's story. We don't see Esau again until the moment he runs towards Jacob and is free. How did he get there? Tell me how. But I'm finding that it doesn't matter how. Because if we had a formula, we'd probably take out God in the process and the process of healing is different for everyone. Your process is your process. Just don't leave out God. But it's important we follow Jacob. So reluctantly we follow Jacob. I think God knows that we're kind of mad that we have to follow Jacob because he gets duped by his uncle and we watch it. You know, when you're like, I want to cause that person pain that hurt me, but like every now and then when I hear like they got duped or something like that, like in a scheme, I'm like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like his uncle Laban, he went to be with him and Laban was like the mastermind duper. Like he's probably where Jacob taught lessons, like got lessons from and Jacob falls in love and uh, Laban dupes him and the woman that he's working for, for his wife, not cool now guys, but back then it was fine. So he works for her. And then the night of the wedding, Laban switches them. And so the next morning Jacob wakes up and he's like, whoa, what the heck, how much did I drink last night? Like what, this is not my wife, what happened? And Laban's like, I know bro, but actually what has to happen is you gotta work another bunch of years to get the wife that you really wanted. So then suddenly we're kind of like, how's it feel Jacob? In the midst of all that, Jacob encounters God. And here's what I found about moments with God, is that I can't have a moment with God and leave not aware of the people that I've wronged. He starts thinking about his brother. And so he's like, I need to reconcile with my brother, but he's terrified because, you know. So he goes to meet his brother, but the night before, he has this other experience with God. And it says that he's wrestling with a man, but the M is capital, so we know it's God. So he is wrestling with God. Have you ever had a season where you were wrestling with God? I've always found that before the embrace with people, I have to wrestle with God. And so he's in this moment and he's wrestling with God and God's like, hey man, this has been fun and I can kill you whenever I want, but I won't because I'm a God of grace. But daybreak's about to come, can you let me go? And Jacob says this interesting thing that I want to read to you. In verse 26, Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. What? Jacob, I thought you were already blessed. You took Esau's blessing. But I found when we're not satisfied with what we had before the addition, we're never satisfied after we get what we think we need to be happy with the addition. And any blessing we have to manipulate to get is never one we get to keep. So suddenly he's wrestling with God and he's saying, okay, okay, I want my own. I'm done copying, I'm done scheming, I'm done manipulating. Will you give me my blessing? I'm not letting you go. He gets in this power position as if he can fight God. And God says, what's your name? And he's like, you're distracting me. Give me your blessing. I want the blessing. But I've often found when we come to God asking for the blessing, God wants our vulnerability before He's gonna give us the blessing. He's saying, what is your name? Because back then, a name wasn't just like you name someone Apple and that's their name now, and there was no other reason than it sounded cool and it would be good on Instagram. Names meant something. Jacob, remember, meant deceiver. God was saying, you want my blessing? Come to me and take the mask off. Stop giving me a church smile. Tell me what hurts. Tell me what hurts. Because there's a reason that you were deceiving people. Come to me, and if you tell me, if you extend your withered hand, I'll heal it. The Bible says that healing comes in the confession. And so finally, Jacob says, I'm Jacob. I'm the deceiver. And as I'm reading this story, experiencing my own divorce, I have this moment where suddenly the contempt I had for Jacob is replaced with compassion because I'm Jacob. I'm way more Jacob than I wanted to be. I skipped the process too, because it would make sense to point the finger at my ex-husband and say what he did was not okay. And though that statement isn't untrue, that isn't the point because it is me saying, God, give me my blessing. And he's saying, what's your name? And really? Elise, divorced. Skipping the process when I came to LA and was going from relationship to relationship, heartbreak to heartbreak, all the while wearing the Sunday smile because I thought if I got wifed up, then maybe I would have some spiritual clout to actually start my ministry as if God was waiting for me to get a ring on my finger before he had ever put a ring on my finger before. And in doing so, I ended up wounded. I come to God. That's me. I'm Jacob. It's not until we come face to face with our sin and face to face with our shame that we can come face to face with grace. God can't heal what we will not admit hurts. And so in this moment when Jacob is honest and when I am Jacob, The man he's wrestling with, God gives him a limp because you don't get out of a wrestle with God without a limp, but he changes his identity. He said, you're no longer Jacob, you're Israel. I'm Jacob. He says, no, you're not divorced. You're my daughter. That is who you are. And now we find ourselves back at the beginning where Jacob is walking towards Esau stolen the blessing, limping, not running away. It's interesting because we don't know where Esau's been. But suddenly where Jacob is limping, Esau is running with 400 men. And we know the end of the story. So we know it wasn't an army where he was trying to fight Jacob. He loved Jacob. It shows me that the blessing that I thought that person took when I decide to break free is never the blessing I needed because you look at Esau's life and he is doing just fine. And the best part of this story is that Jacob comes to him still being a little Jacoby. You know, the rest of his life, if you've read in the Old Testament, his name goes from Jacob to Israel, Jacob to Israel, which gives me so much grace and confidence that even in the moments that I act like the hurt woman, God is still calling me daughter and it's okay that I can be in my calling and also confused about it and also imperfect and also struggle with sin because when I come back to God and say, God, tell me who I really am again, he's like, daughter. And so Jacob comes trying to give him gifts, trying to appease his brother. The best part of the story to me is in the moment where it came full circle, the one that stole his blessing was trying to give him back his blessing. What did Esau say? I have plenty. I don't need it. You see, when you come to that point in your life and the band can come, when you can actually get to a place where you said, oh, I don't need your blessing anymore, full circle. Oh, you were talking about me back in the past. You were spreading lies. You stole my blessing. You were saying all these things. You took my family. You took my kids. You took my bank account. You betrayed me. Yes, back then it hurt. And that doesn't mean it is okay. And that doesn't mean we're ever gonna be in relationship again, because just because Esau and Jacob were doesn't mean you should be. I am no longer in relationship with my ex-husband but that didn't stop me making a decision to say I'm breaking free from the bitterness of my past so I can move forward and suddenly discover I never needed the blessing he took. God had one for me even more on the other side of my decision. Back in the day, older men didn't run towards people. It was considered shameful. And so I'm reading the story. And I'm like, why was he running? And why does it remind me of something? What does it remind me of? Luke 15, the prodigal son, do you remember? And the son comes to his dad and he's like, hey man, me and the boys are going to Vegas. Um, this is my version, obviously. It's not the new. that wasn't a thing. Just go with me. And he says, I need some cash. Actually all of it, yeah. Can I get the inheritance? Cause we're gonna go, a promise I'm a really good gambler. I'll we'll come back with like five times. You'll be so impressed with me, dad. Dad's like, bro, it's not worth it. And he's like, trust me, it is. And the dad's like, all right, fine. So he gives him his inheritance. His son goes off and spends it all, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole thing until this Jewish son is sitting in a pig's pen feeding pigs. That rock bottom moment where he is feeding the very thing that in his religion he was forbidden to eat. He's feeding this. And he's like, this is a mess. I'm going home. But you see, he knew he couldn't go back home and be a son because he'd already broken the family down. He'd left the family. You couldn't just return to the family, but he was like, maybe my dad will accept me as a servant. And some of you used to be in the house of God, in the relationship with God, And I don't know what happened, but something happened where you went away and the enemy has been telling you, you could never come back in as a kid, maybe as a servant. Maybe you can work your way back in. Maybe you can convince yourself back in. Maybe you can work so much for God and do so many good works, but church, that is not the religion. That is not the religion that I'm a part of. That's not the God I know that I have to prove to him continuously why I'm worthy. I'm worthy because Jesus died on the cross and paid my sins. And while the sun was still a long way off, the dad runs towards him. Why are they running? Well, and I did some study and I realized this thing. The reason they were running is because there's this thing called the Kazaza Ceremony. The Kazaza Ceremony. It takes a village that came from back then. I don't know that for sure, but go with me. So it's this thing that when a son left the home, if he ever wanted to come back, he couldn't. No shot. You weren't allowed. The dad didn't even come out of the house to come and see his son. Instead, the village went themselves. And they went to let the boy know, you are no longer welcome in this village. You cannot come home. You left us. You don't get to come back. They would surround the son. They would bring massive terracotta pots, so much bigger than this. They would surround the boy who was already terrified, and they would do this. They'd smash it to say things like, you can't come home anymore. They would pull up shards of the terracotta pot around him with that sound of smashing and say, shame on you. You have been cut off from us. Go back to wherever it is. We don't care where you go, but you can't stay here. One exception, if the father beat the village to it and already had his arms around the boy, they backed off. Esau was running to his brother. The father was running to his son, not just because they loved them and they did. They were running because they were like, if I can get to him before shame gets to him, before he knows he's cut off and he is back in the family. And I'm here to tell you today, I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you're coming out of, but I'm telling you that Jesus ran to the cross. that shame voice that's been telling you you could never come back. And again, I don't know your story. I don't know if before COVID you were in a relationship with God or just something happened in your life and you feel far from Him and shame has been talking to you and telling you you're cut off. Today you're saying, Elise, is it possible to come back? Yes, that's what I came to tell you. And so on the count of three, can you be brave enough in this room of a village that isn't shaming you, that wants to welcome you home? I don't care if this is your first time, or you're the lead pastor of this place, if you need to get rid of shame today and stop listening to the lies of the enemy telling you you can't come home, coming back into relationship with Jesus, on the count of three, I want you to put your hands up so we can celebrate and pray. One. We're just going to pray together. I'll say a line, nothing special about the words, but I want you to pray it after me as a way of talking to Jesus. And we're going to do it with you because we're family. Does that sound good? Awesome. Dear Jesus, come on church. Dear Jesus, I come to you today because I need you. I'm sorry for the things I've done that have separated me from you. I ask for your forgiveness. Walk with me. Talk with me. Be with me. I want to be a Christian a follower of Jesus for the rest of my life in Jesus name